welcome to episode 165 of Control the Controllables. And what an amazing two weeks we've had in Paris for Roland Garros 2022. There's a certain level of athlete that goes into a bracket where I will never, ever underestimate them as long as they're playing because they're so good. I, I can't comprehend what's going on, so I can't even try and pretend. So I just always expect that they're going to be extraordinary, whether it's Rafa, Roger, Novak, is it Kobe, Messi, Ronaldo, Tom Brady? Whoever it is. <laughs> yeah. So, so, so when these guys are playing, I will never, ever rule them out. And before the event, I had the pleasure of Freddie Nielsen, the 2012 Wimbledon doubles champion, and Kieran Vorster, who the fitness coach currently to Liam Brody, but has worked with Dan Evans, Tim Henman, Wayne Ferreira, and so many players over, over the years. And we made our picks. We took some chances. We, we gave our opinions. And, and as it happens, I think we, we did all right this time. It's not always that our picks go to plan. And that's the beauty of tennis, isn't it? We can all have an opinion. We can all look at the form guide. But ultimately, tennis has played on the court. And in Paris, it's played on the red European clay courts and Roland Garros. It is, it is a fantastic event. None of us picked Rafael Nadal before the event. We're kicking ourselves about that. But we talk all things French Open. If you listen to the end, you'll get a couple of opinions on who we think are the ones to watch going into Wimbledon 2022 as well. As always, we had lots of fun. Love those conversations. We, we talk tennis. It's a sport we all love. Hope you guys enjoy it as well. And I'm going to pass you over to Kieran Volster and Freddie Nielsen. So Kieran and Freddie, a big welcome back to Control the Controllables. And there's two very smug looking faces that I see as we, uh, as we review French Open 2022. What are you most smug about? Sviontek or Coco Goff, Freddie? Coco Goff. I think Schwantek was a was the most obvious call for everybody in the entire tournament. So I, I don't know who who said it first. Was it you, Fozzie, or Freddie? One of you said, I it. said it. I said I said it first, and then Freddie was like, "Yeah, that's mine as well." So I I, I had the lead, but Freddie was with me. Fozzie was Fozzie said it was the one to watch. Mine one to watch. And and she she looked good. I actually got a bit of a shock. Because when I when I was watching that final, and obviously the tears came at the end, and actually I, I thought that was quite good to see as well. You know that she she certainly wasn't happy to just be in the final. You know she's got the mindset of of wanting to win, whereas maybe Casper Ruud was just happy to be in the final. I had a bit of a bit of an argument with my not an argument but a discussion with my wife about how old she was, and I said she's definitely nineteen this year. And when I looked, she's actually 2004. So she's she still... She the juniors? St- I mean, it's crazy. Yeah. Madness. Yeah, absolutely madness. Because she's done. She's done what a lot of the girls haven't done, it seems like. She's gone through the steps. You know, we talked about that 
a couple of weeks ago how you know not not so many players or a lot of players they have this one big result and then they're not quite ready for it but she seems to have kind of progressed to to the point where that just was normal that she's going to make final of a grand slam uh, but but no re- really really impressive and anyone else stand out for you Vozzy and the and the women's draw this year well, also, let's not forget, you also made the final doubles, huh? So, I mean, it was a great weekend for Coco. Unbelievable. Yeah. Amazing. What a player. What a player. What a career to come, potentially. Huh? I have big yeah. things uh, waiting for her. Yeah, I, I, I agree with you, Fred. I think, um, yeah, you know, it just feels like she's been around like three, three, three or four years already. And, and you know, that she's still, still uh, maturing and uh, she's getting closer and closer. Speaks very well as well, and 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 I I always like the 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 speeches after after the final. You often get something. You do? I do. I think something often happens. Oh, and, and, and the it, worst. No, I like it. I like it. I, I'm a I'm an emotional soul, and I I like the emotion that comes with it. And and I think <clears throat> if you go back on the on the men's side, if you look at some of Rafa's first ever speeches there's some great ones on youtube where you can look at rafa and roger and their first ever speeches and basically they cried every time you know and now and now they're they're polished they're they're incredibly good at what they do they're very smooth whereas it felt watching eager and coco it was the two players that we're going to see a lot of and and I think there'll be some kind of funny, funny videos to look back on because neither of them could keep it together. You know, Eager completely lost what, what she was saying, what was going on, you know, and it just goes to show it's just two young girls out there. But 35 matches in a row, that is for Eager. Fozzie, is 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 anyone gonna stop her? Is this is this gonna be the 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 woman that, that we thought that, or, or that Xavier thought Osaka was going to be a couple of years ago when we did one of these reviews. Yeah, I mean, obviously, confidence is high, you know, which, you know, you can't beat from winning matches. And oh, I think moving forward onto the grass, which I think will be an equaliser, um, because other players, you know, if they have a, you know, a big hit on the ball, you know, could be able to get away with a point's uh, that, you know, potentially on, on say, Swiatek's average day versus somebody having an absolute perler, you know, could get the win. Um, but, it'll, yeah, it'll be interesting to see how she transitions from the clay to the grass, how much time she takes off between now and the tournament she's going to play on the grass or whether, you know, she may just pull out of everything and just do a training week before, maybe play a couple exhibitions and then go on to the grass. Um, but, yeah, I mean, it'll be, be pretty tough to, to bet against her um, at this moment in time, based based on the on the current run of form, she doesn't win Wimbledon. Uh, I, th- I, th- I think it'll be tough to bet against that. I mean, but I, you know, I think a lot will depend on now her preparation going into Wimbledon. So, you know, if she, I, I would probably suggest something along the lines of just coming the week, like start practicing on the grass, come in the week before, train on the grass maybe play a couple of exhibitions and then go into Wimbledon. Um, I think if you run the risk of coming in and playing Birmingham uh, next week, it may, you know, may just be too soon straight after winning the French. Literally, you know, she would have what five, five, maybe five, six days max. And then she's, you know, back hitting, I, you know, 
I, you, even when you look at Alcaraz, Alcaraz won, you know, when, when he won um, uh, Stuttgart, he, it was two weeks before he went into to play the French. So I just, I just think it's, it's now managing her recovery, you know, and for me, for me, it's always uh, the ability to perform is dictated by the ability to recover. And so this is the key part for her now. And then someone like, you know, Coco Goff, you know, if she's hitting the ball well, she's got a big game. It'll be a different ball game on, on grass. In terms of last year's, <clears throat> last year's semi-finalists, when I was, when I was looking this up, only only one of last year's semi-finalists made the third round this year, and that was Tamara Zadanzek. It, it it's it's ever changing. It's a it's a it's an ever changing apart from maybe Eager, who seems to be dominating. But it seems to be a a period in in the women's game where there's there's not a whole lot of domination happening between mm. two, three, four four players. So, so Freddie, anyone that, that kind of jumped at you during Roland Garros that you thought, you know what, this is this is a, this is the one of the girls that I I think can can make a bit of a move. I mean, like you said, it's been like that for a while, actually. I mean, if you go back many years, there's so many one-time Slam winners in the women's side, and like you said, every time somebody has felt like, okay, here we go, for some reason they've dropped off. Whether it be Naomi and whatever she's been through, or Ashley Barty just deciding not to play anymore, it does feel like there's a few spots for grabs. Uh, in my mind, I don't think anybody particularly stood out in in French Open as being oh. Here we go. There's something that might be there for, of course, Corey Kokogov definitely stands out because, like you said, she's gone through the steps. She's shown her resilience and her ability to deal with the madness that comes with being a teenage superstar. Uh, I was like you as well. I, I kind of forgot how young she was. I had to look it up and I was, I mean, she used to, like I said, she could still play the juniors. I think she'll be there. Swansik seems like she get a, she's got a really solid head on her shoulders. I think those two could be dominating for a while. And then I have a, you mentioned her in the in the pre-podcast as well, Pegulia. Oh, I'm sorry yeah. if I pronounced that wrong. I think she's got something. Um, but 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 apart from that, I don't think anything particularly stood out as being anything where I would say that's definitely something to look out for. I mean, one of the names I was I was thinking about saying uh, last time was Kasatkina and she turned out to have a semi-final, but I just don't think there's enough, there's enough there to really cement herself and be competing for slams. I think Leila Fernandez had a, had a good French Open. She, she had a good run, got to the quarterfinals. She could do something on the quicker surface. She would have got some confidence from the French and also add a benefit being a lefty as well. So I think she yeah, could, totally. she could, I totally agree as her being one of the, the definite candidates. Uh, I think that's a great shout. I'm just, I'm still yet to be convinced, you know, uh, that that she'll actually consistently be competing for slams. Maybe it's unfair because she's really young uh, and she also just got thrown into the limelight being in the final of a slam. But uh, I, th I think I would have liked to seen some, some more clear signs that she was... Uh, she was there to be reckoned with. Um, you're making me smile because you're saying how young she is, but she's two years older than Coco Golf. <laughs> <laughs> she's still very young. <laughs> she is. She is. The the one I want to, and I mention it every time, <clears throat> and she's clearly not quite there mentally yet, but I think in terms of game, I think she's got 
as much, if not more, game than than the rest of them, and that's Anissa Mova. And I think, yeah. you know, I think she. I actually remember at junior Wimbledon when I was working with Pana Udvari, who's now a top hundred player, and I watched Pana play her first round, and Pana must have had three years on her. And this, I've never seen a tennis ball hit like that. And she, she will, she will come. You know, I think she's she's got a, a, some personal things going on. She's she's got to mature probably a little bit more emotionally to be able to step up at a slam and and maintain that level through seven matches. Uh, but I have no doubt that we'll see her at some point. At some point, she's going to go on and and do it. But the last one before we move on to what was an another, I guess, incredible historic men's event. Uh, you mentioned beforehand Emma Raducanu. You know, Vozzy kind of laughed you off a little bit, um, to 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 put it politely, and it just seemed to be quite a similar Emma Raducanu tournament again. You know, she wins an incredibly tight match against someone with a bit of a lower ranking, um, and then once it starts going downhill, she she can't quite get get past that second match, uh, and it just seems maybe she's not quite ready. To, to repeat what we saw in New York last year. No, I agree. And it seems like it, there's just so much going on. And it, it seems like she's struggling for a path. Again, she's also very young. They're all very young, so it might come. But it just seems like there's too much of mm, confusion, for lack of a better word, and too little direction on the tennis yeah, I wouldn't argue with that. And moving into the men's, what idiots we are. <laughs> you know, I mean, how many times can we overlook this guy? You know, it's like if we if, if it's looked at objectively, someone who's lost three lifetime matches at Roland Garros, he's lost one match this year, two matches this year. In, in 2022, he's won the only Grand Slam that happened in 2022. He's also won many Grand Slams when we've been told that he's injured or been injured. Yet every time we seem to fall for it, and none of us, none of us picked Rafa to, to be the champion. I have to add in, I did pick Djokovic to play Kasper Ruud in the final. So that's my little bit of gloating. Do you um, want points for almost now? Um, well, I mean, it's not, it's not a bad, it wasn't a bad call. It wasn't, it wasn't a bad call, but we all went against Rafa. What, what, what are we thinking, Vozzy? Why, why, why did none of us see this? Because none of us knew his doctor was going to be there with him. No, I'm joking. So I think, um, you, you know, he, he obviously had his doctor there, which is, uh, helped him out immensely with his foot. Uh, we didn't hear anything about his foot for two weeks, but we heard a lot about it, a lot of noise about his foot and also retiring before, before the French. So, you know, whether that was just psychological, he didn't want to talk about it, you know, and just focus on the matches. Um, yeah, and I just, I, I, I mean, obviously, you know, we always say this every year, we've been saying it for like the last 10 years, change of the guard, change of the guard. Um, and he, he's just proven against all odds, you know, that he's still the man, the king of clay. Um, I think I felt sorry uh, for Casper going out there because he was probably a set in a breakdown before he even struck the ball. I think he was um, the, the occasion playing playing the guy, not the ball, 
probably to a certain degree got to him. Um, yeah, and it was it was a very one-sided final. Obviously, both men's and women's one-sided finals. It's quite interesting. Um, I saw I saw a tweet. Uh, I'm going to uh, credit Robbie Kunick for this. That Nadal's 14 French Opens are exactly the same amount of Grand Slam titles that Pete Sampras won across all surfaces. That's yeah. a scary stat right there. It is. Um, yeah, but I, th- I, I had a sneaky suspicion. I, I thought that he may have announced his retirement with immediate effect after that. Um, and I think the only reason why he'll carry on going is that he's probably thinking, have I got a shot at the slam? And if he will be one of those players, though, that if his body's not 100% healthy, he will not play um, Wimbledon. If he feels that his body's 100% fine, he'll play. And, you know, he and he came into the French undercooked as well. I think it's the first year that he's played the French where he's never won a Masters series on clay. And he took a lot of time off, uh, you know, for him, a lot of time off, you know, after Madrid to, to I guess, try and get the body right, see his doctor back in Mallorca and then, you know, and then travel with his team to Paris. Is it, is it, Freddie, is it an expectation thing, a management of expectation thing? Because we... We hear it a lot from Rafa, you know, and he, he, he said it, I think, in Australia as well. I'm just happy to be here, you know, and it's, all, it's almost like he's become the master at, at putting a perspective on things, you know, and, and I think that there's a genuine perspective that he has going on as well within his life, you know, his genuine love for the sport, you know, all of those bits. But he just seems to remove that additional layer of pressure that, that would come with it. So I, I guess he, he's smart for the way that he does it. Yeah, it does take a certain amount of pressure off him. I'm not, I'm, I don't doubt for a second that he does feel like that, but at the same time, I mean, he's the biggest competitor in the world of tennis. He doesn't just go somewhere to make up the numbers and, and for, for, for having a nice, nice trip down under during winter. I mean, when he goes somewhere, he goes because he thinks he can win. Let's not kid anybody. That's that's I, I I will never believe anything else. He's too good of a player and too much of competitive of a competitor. So I think it does take a certain edge of the expectations. But having said that, I think that I don't think that I underestimated the rough of this tournament. I think there's a there's a certain level of athlete that goes into a bracket where I will never ever underestimate them as long as they're playing because they're so good I, I can't comprehend what's going on so I can't even try and pretend so I just always expect that they're going to be extraordinary whether it's Rafa, Roger Novak, is it Kobe Messi, Ronaldo Tom Brady whoever it is. <laughs> yeah right uh, Harry Kane <laughs> So, so, so when these guys are playing, I will never, ever rule them out. But I just thought Novak had his number. I thought last year did a lot for Novak's confidence. I know it's been a weird year for Novak, but I felt like after Rome, he was in a good shape, good condition and was, was able to, uh, to, to, to uh, build on, on, on absolutely unbelievable match he had last year with Rafa, where he, where I thought he was going to be able to, where I thought he was playing a better version of Rafa than he was going to play this time. But I mean, the level was sick in that match. I mean, absolutely insane. And I think Novak played pretty well as well. So it was... Well, he, got a, he like, got a kicking, didn't he? he got a, until 6-2-3, love. 
he got an absolute kicking and it was it was and it was three love double break and it was that like i've seen Djokovic does that so many times and you and you all of a sudden he gets the 3-1 and you're thinking mm. oh god and then he just goes in complete lockdown mode yeah. doesn't miss a ball was hitting the ball harder i think than i've ever seen him hit the ball was just nailing forehands and then you go oh shit set all here yeah. and, and and i think that was the impressive thing for me in that match from from rafa's standpoint it, it it's it felt as if that match was completely swinging Djokovic's way from from nowhere, and then he just grabbed a hold of it again, and then you felt it happening again at the end of the fourth set, and and he and he managed to completely grab it at the right time again. And for for me, that was match of the tournament. I know there, there's there's other talking points and there's talking points I'd like to get into, but for me that was that was absolutely match of the tournament and. And and I and I'd like to hear your thoughts on this, Fozzie, because I've always been a a, a Rafa Roger guy, and it, it, what's the best rivalry in tennis and in men's tennis? And I've certainly always been a Rafa Roger. But as I watched that match, and I believe it was the 59th time that they played each other, uh, I sat there thinking, you know what? I think I think now the Rafa Djokovic rivalry has taken over as the as the best men's rivalry and, and and hopefully we'll get to see it a few more times. Yeah, I think I, I think it is by far the the biggest rivalry in tennis, but let's make no bones about it. They hate each other. So, you know, this is like the Connors McEnroe and great it's great for tennis, but you know, when they go on the court, they want to kill each other. And I don't think they, you know, see eye to eye off the court anyway. So it just just adds to it. Um, I watched I watched it to about a, a set all, and then or just before a set all, and turn it off. Uh, I, I found I found that the, the the pace of play between points was tediously slow, um, and I thought that you know I think the upper uh, the umpire was protecting the top players because the serve clock is at the discretion of the umpire when he starts it after the point is finished. And then also when he stops it, and the rule is you're supposed to stop it when you actually start your serving motion. But if you bounce the ball, start your serving motion, and stop and rebounce the ball, you've 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 beaten the, the serve clock. Um, and a friend of mine complained about Rafa Rafa's slow play to the ATP in an ATP event, uh, of which nothing was was done about it. Um, and it'll be interesting. I think I think there's too much ambiguity with the stop clock, uh, the serve clock, when it starts, the, when it stops. The the untouchables, Vozzy. There's there's certain there's certain people that I don't think are going to be touched in 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 our sport, and I think Rafa <coughs> is certainly one of them. No, I don't. I, you know, you, you don't don't disagree, but don't make a rule if you if you can't if you can't enforce it, but enforce it on 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 easy targets. And then, you know, when it comes to the big, you know, the big boys there, the umpire is reluctant to enforce it or stops stops the surf clock or starts the surf clock, you know, at a time where he thinks, I, I know he's going to be within within the 25 seconds or, 30, or the 30 seconds to, to start serving. So now I, I, know I agree with that. And actually, my I had friends who did the same. I was also fuming when he played Felix at how many times Felix had to wait for Rafa and all this. And there yeah, is... It's a uh, joke. Yeah, it's it's. I don't think it's great either, to be honest. It does make it very slow. So 
I agree with you. All this talk about long matches and cutting it short, just try to implement the actual rules and let's start from there. So that's the reason I was up till 2.30 in the morning watching that match. You got it. You got it, Kenna. That's why I apologise to all the players and parents why I was a bit grumpy last week, all of these late (laughs) nights watching these these guys play. But you, you mentioned the Felix match. I think this is a real talking point because Felix's coach is Uncle Tony. Um, well, he's kind of a consultant well, coach. Yeah, the consultant. So, yeah. yeah, he's but got fun thing, right? I, 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 I'll give a quick opinion on this, and then Freddie, I'll throw it to you. He came out and and spoke very openly about this match and about how ultimately he wants Rafa to win. You know, Felix. Felix knows that. Um, he's not going to sit in the box. He'll he'll be on the court, but he's not going to he's not going to get involved. Um, you can understand you can understand those thoughts. It just it just felt every TV station I turned on, he was he was in the public eye about it. And 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 my my opinion is, family will always come first. That's fine, but I didn't feel he needed to drill that point home as much as he seemed to drill that point home. And and it, and it certainly seemed to, um, if I put myself in Felix's corner, I, I think I would have been thinking, hold on a minute, why? Okay, fair enough, we've had that conversation in private, but come on, Tony, you don't need to be speaking to the global media at every opportunity on this. Um, what, did, what did you think of that, Freddie? And, and if you were in that position, in, in Felix's position, how would you feel about that? Yeah, I don't think there's any need to say that. We all probably knew it, uh, but probably being the word. And, and when you're when you're a professional and you've hired somebody's services, when you've taken out the job with a player and you know that he is potentially going to play your nephew, then it just comes with certain certain responsibilities. And one of them is to act professionally and not go out there and hope that your client loses. Like you don't state that publicly. I think it was a weird thing to say. I would feel a little bit embarrassed if I was if I were Felix. I think it would be like, "Gee, eesh, you don't have to rub it in my face," you know. So because he spoke yeah, I, on Spanish TV straight after the match as well, so it was yeah. so, so it was on Spanish TV straight after the match, and he looked happy. He had like a smug look on his face, and again he was giving interviews about why he didn't sit in the box and why he wanted Rafa to win and how Felix, he gave Felix an ultimatum and told Felix that ultimately if he doesn't like that, then he can sack me, but that's the way it is. You know, he was, he was really making, he was almost milking, milking that situation. And Vozzy had ended up being a five set match. (laughs) And, and we all know that the box power can an emotional support that you can get in a match like that can be the difference between getting you over that extra one, two, three percent of points to win a match like that. What was your What was your take? Yeah, it's a, it's a nonsense. I mean, I, I think Felix will learn from this. But what he should have said: you either coach me or you don't. It's that simple. And and if I'm playing, if I'm playing, you, you know, your brother, your uncle, your 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 sister's aunt's brother, it makes no difference. You're in my box. You you work with me full time. Um, and you know that's it. And if it if it comes down to that, then yeah, we need to go different ways. 
Um, and yeah, where it counts, you know, when when it's you know when you're looking up your box, you know, two all in the fifth or three all in the fifth, and and your 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 man's not there, it, it's 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 a nonsense. I kind of expected him not to be in the box, though. I'm sure that when they made the agreement in the beginning, he would have said, "Just so you know, I can't be sitting in the box if you play Rafa." But from there to that, you say absolutely hammer the point home. And rub it in everybody's faces. I think that's you can just. I mean, how easy is it to come out and give a nonsense political answer and say, "Yeah, it's a tough situation. Uh, he's a good boy, Felix. I've had a lot of uh, experience and uh, and 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 difficult situation. And uh, let's hope for a good match or something." I mean, it's it's not difficult to just give an absolute nonsense answer. You don't have to be brutally honest, even though you feel like that. Like I said, and like what I said, you are. You are a professional who have certain responsibilities and what do you gain from it? That's, I mean, I'm sure, I'm sure you don't need to prove to Rafa that you love him by going to the media. I think he knows that. So I don't really sure what, what he was gaining from all doing all that, to be yeah, honest. Maybe, maybe there was a bit of insecurity in there, you know, maybe, and that's maybe why, why it came out, you know, maybe there was a little bit of needle between uncle Tony and Rafa over the last couple of years. And, and he, and he wanted to, to use that platform to, to, to prove his dedication to him. I, I, I guess we don't know, but uh, maybe, think- but at the same time, I find it difficult to believe that Nadal wasn't consulted when, once he took a job on tour with Felix. I mean, it's, it just seems, yeah, it seems unnecessary to, the- yeah, no, I, I I agree with you, Fred. I mean, worst case scenario, what he could have said is like, like even if you work for the play, just say, look, if I'm playing, if you're playing uh, Rafa, I'm not going to sit in the box, but I'll be sitting somewhere, but I'm still, I still want you to win. But actually to come out and say, I actually, you know, if you play Rafa, I don't want you to win. Yeah. I want, I want Rafa to win. That's an absolute nonsense. That's, that's like a football manager. Let's just, let, let's just say it's Antonio Conte play managing Tottenham and, and you know they play Arsenal but he's 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 loved Arsenal since since young kid he goes listen guys when you play Arsenal I, I'm gonna manage you but I actually want Arsenal to win it's a nonsense <laughs> you've yeah. never I've never heard I've never heard anything in my life that that is just it's just ridiculous and 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 then for the press to make a song and a dancer what the press should be saying is hold on a second Tony if you're working with your player you should be behind him 100 we get it to a certain degree that you should be in the box but wherever you are sitting in, in in the stadium or wherever you are, you want your player to win. You're not, you, you know, you're not betting against your racehorse. Just moving on from this, I think, you know, I think Nadal was lucky against Zavra because as much as I, I I don't believe he should be on the court based on his his behavioral actions in Acapulco, um, obviously he's playing, so we, we have to go with it. He he was playing some really good tennis. Um, and it was it was it was a shame that you know he rolled his he rolled his ankle uh, in you know as early as he did in the match after um, 3 hours 5 minutes 766 six all after 3 hours 5 minutes imagine yeah, imagine imagine if that one had gone to 5 it had the watermark of going to 5 yeah um you know and i i just want to give a shout out to the guys at Fortius clinic because um, I know the top ankle surgeon that uh, Dr. James Calder, he did Gareth Bale's ankle. He's done all the dances. He, he also did, uh, actually did both Jody Burgess. But I know he's flying to, to Munich, but you should really try and look those guys up if anyone is, is listening on this. He is a top, top surgeon. And, and the gloating continues. 
you guys were on fire with your Coco Golf prediction. Um, I have to say, I pretty much got it spot on 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 the men's side. If it wasn't for Rafa taking out taking out Novak, but I don't think I agreed with you, Freddie, a couple of weeks ago when you said Holger. And you you said if I if memory serves me right, you said if we're sitting here and Holger is playing City Pass in the fourth round. I've got absolute confidence that Holger wins that match. And I and I think I might have texted you that day. I was like, mm. oh, he doesn't beat City Pass. And he beat he, he did. And and it, and it was the he ended up having a massive breakthrough week. We'll get into the the match against Kasparuda in a minute, but um you saw it coming. You, you, I guess you, you weren't surprised. No. He's played insanely good tennis. I mean, he rolled through Munich. He rolled through Zverev there. The way he's striking the ball, it seems like he's he's just improving so much by every tournament he plays. That also with the matchups and the way the draw went on, I actually ended up being, for lack of better word, disappointed on his behalf. I mean, not he did whatever he could and he played well, but I actually. I, I was I had him to go to the final after uh, because I thought with the way the matchups were and the way he was playing, I thought he was going to go to the final to be honest. And he was playing that well. I mean, he made City Plus uh, look like a, a bystander, and at the end, all he had to do was uh, all he could do. City was put the ball in the court and run and 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 try to make Holger not win it. So, I mean, he didn't just win it by accident. He 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 outplayed City. Can you just do us a favor, for, just for the, the international listeners and all those commentators out there, how do you pronounce his second name? Because Wayne Rooney is the Derby County manager, not Holger Rooney. <laughs> his name Can is Holger Rune. Rune. There's Rune. a big difference between Rune and then Rooney. Yeah, so and it's not Rune, the... it's Holger Rune. Holger Rune. And what is Casper's name? Casper Root. Casper yeah, Root. We got that. We got, got to that. roll a little on the tip of the tongue. I'm not great at Norwegian, but it's Casper Root. I've got that. Casper Root. <laughs> and it, and the one thing it seems Holger doesn't seem to be shy in coming forward, you know. And obviously there was a, there was a lot of speculation. There was a lot that there was a lot that went on. You know, the handshake. They didn't look like the best of pals. At the end, there was then stories coming out that Casper had, had said something in the in the locker room afterwards. What's your take on that, Vozzy? You like a scrap? Yeah, I mean, I you know, I, I think I think with tennis players, it's handbags at dawn. I've only heard a few, you know, a, a few of them. I had I had one with Marcelo Rios in in Scottsdale where he told me to shut the F up whilst you're practicing. And I just, I, I, I climbed yeah. the fence. I was like, come up, come over. And poor Tim, he was embarrassed. He was like, fuzzy, fuzzy, stop, stop, stop. I was like, no, Hennes. I said, he's, he's pulled it. He's gone too far here. And plus he was a prick anyway. First class one at that. So I, was, I, was, I wasn't holding back. And then it was actually funny that night I was walking to dinner and I saw him coming running down and he, and, he tried to take a U-turn and I went, don't you start running backwards? And he came up to me and said, oh man, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. I didn't realize it was you. I went, mate, you do not speak to me or anybody like that. So, yeah, I mean, any of these things, you know, I, I, you, get, you get the respect in the locker room if you stand up for yourself and if you've got somebody who's been 
you know, a mouthy prick, then you need to put him in his place straight away so that he, you know, he, he stops. You know, I, 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 I remember Leighton Hewitt, Leighton Hewitt was uh, played Byron Black in Indian Wells in the early 2000s. And, you know, he was, he was giving it some on the changeovers to Byron and Byron just absolutely let him rip. And, you know, that was the end of that. And I think with all these people, you know, all these players, they, they will keep giving it, keep giving it until they, until they put, you know, put back in their little box. In Denmark, Freddie, what's, what's been the word? Obviously, I, I would imagine everyone's very excited by what's happening, you know, and you, you have an exciting young male player to go alongside the exciting female players that you've had in Caroline and then Towson as well, who's coming through. Are people talking more about the quarterfinal appearance are they talking more about a little spat in the changing rooms with Kasper Rud? Uh, they talk about that a lot, and then in general, his there's been a lot of talk about his temperament, and uh, it's obviously a shame that that takes a lot of the headline after such an amazing result. But uh, yeah, that has taken up a lot of the the attention and a lot of the headlines in in Denmark. To be honest, yeah. I think the first thing I said to him actually, because he was on, and we'll we'll post it on the, uh, below in the podcast notes, uh, the with the the link to the podcast that we did with Holger, and I think the first one of my first questions to him was, "You're the most un-Danish Danish person, <laughs> you know, like when you you know you 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 think of so many stereotypical." Uh, attributes and characteristics that go with Danish people and and yet he seems to be very much a black sheep with that you know someone who from a very early age has stated very clearly the journey that he's going on doesn't seem to be afraid to say what he thinks doesn't seem to be afraid to go head on head, head on with people and and I'm sure within time he will he will find his his right place within within the tour. But for me personally, I think it's I think it's great that we've got a new character in town. You know, we got someone who's who's not afraid to to put it to these guys. You know, he's not afraid to say, you know what, I'm here, I'm here to stay, I'm here to take you guys on. And and I think we'll remember this Roland Garros as as the birth of of Holger. You know, just everyone was talking about Carlos Alcaraz, who is exactly the same age, 2003 born, and and they both made the quarterfinals. They they both have have incredibly exciting careers ahead, and uh, I for one am am, am going to be really watching out to see how how he develops over the next six, 12, 18 months. But I think at 28 in the world already, you know, mm. he's he's arrived, he's there, and I think he's there to stay. He's arrived and he's only going to get better. I mean, the guy is that good. And uh, it's true. It's very un-Danish. We're, we're, the way we're brought up in Denmark is very anti-athlete uh, because you're basically, we have this moral code, ethics code in Denmark called the Yende Law, which basically states you're not better than anybody else. Don't think you're anything special. And that obviously goes against everything you need in sports where you got to believe that you are something special and that you're better than everybody else. And I think an important thing to mention with Holger is that he doesn't have an agenda by saying what he says. He's not out to to stir the pot. He's not out to be rude. He's not out to be promoting himself. He genuinely just believes what he says. Yeah. And uh, I know that some of the 
the goals he set for himself have been met with yeah so some have laughed at it uh some have thought they were ridiculous i myself didn't really know what to think because they didn't they did seem pretty quick uh so my first instinct was like well that's pretty quick but my other instinct was always uh this guy is exceptional i don't have any experience with exceptional people so when these exceptional people are doing exceptional things that they can understand that i can't understand i should probably just let them do the exceptional things and then i mean whatever i think is going to happen you know that's probably one of my limitations so i shouldn't try and and force my own physical limit or psychological limitations onto somebody who clearly doesn't have them. But the ironic thing is he's probably quicker than all his ambitions. Like he's all his goals. He's reached quicker than he stated, which is (laughs) incredible really. So, so, and, and that's what I mean. He says it because he believes it and he makes it true. And that's also why I have, I have completely surrendered to, to him because he he just delivers. It's kind of like yeah. Slatan. He's kind of like Slatan in the same way that. Yeah. Um, but either that or he set his goals out. too low. Huh? Sorry. Either that or he had his goals set too low. <laughs> yeah, but if that if the goals <laughs> are set too low, then oh my. But okay, Slatan is a little more tongue in cheek. Does it with a glimpse in it, but he has that same belief. A Scandinavian who stands out. Maybe Haaland has it now in Norway, and and it stands out more in Scandinavia. But at the same time. They say it because they believe it and they back it. So it's easier to to get behind it when when they back it with performances. And so far he's done that. And yeah. and when when you keep delivering and playing tennis like that, and the way I see it from my perspective is that it, that there hasn't been any flukes. They've just been matches of really high level where, like I've I've reached the point because the way he plays to me is a little bit like Novak in that he doesn't really have a hole in his game and now he's gotten more offensive. I, I genuinely don't understand. I, I don't. Every time he goes into a match, I, I don't expect him to lose. I can't see how he's going to lose because he's so good. So he's a very <laughs> remarkable kid. And also, when you have this kind of attitude in Denmark, a lot of people kind of like that in Denmark as well because we're not used to it. And a lot of people think that are tired of that old Danish humbleness and stuff and want a little bit of a guy who comes and say, "Hey, I'm here, and I want to make it. And and whatever you think, I don't care." And and so far, I don't think he's been rude about it or been an asshole about it. He's just been very ambitious, and so far he's backed it. So I think you got to give him credit for that. Talking I think of... that's what makes those. Sorry, I just think what makes those guys that great is 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 they walk the walk and talk the talk. Um, exactly. You know, obviously, if they were setting saying something and that and they're not hitting it, you you. you 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 basically say they're a bluff, but these guys these guys are the real deal, and that's why they are who they are. Well, there's plenty out there that are saying it mm. <clears throat> that there are bluffs. <laughs> you know that's the, you know our our focus goes on to the the ones that are able to back it up. But I mean, I just need to go into my into my mailbox to read an email that I get from players or from coaches. Never mind all the federations and the academies in the world that get it. So it, it's it's nice to see someone be backing it up. I still have an inkling that I'm not sure what's going to happen when he does plateau. And that might be at three in the world, four in the world, five in the world, 10 in the world. Because uh, he doesn't seem to be someone who ever loses in his head. 
You know, there seems to be, I lose a match. It's, it's because of that. And he distracts with different things is a gut feeling I have. Um, but I don't think that's going to happen for a while, but I, 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 the, the adversity that will undoubtedly come at some point, I, I guess will challenge him as it will always challenge newcomers onto the, onto the tour, but without question, Without question, Freddie, you've got a you got a superstar in the making for, in Denmark, and you know for Definitely. all any any Danes listening, enjoy 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 the ride, you know. Exactly, and I was asked I was asked it about uh, about this in the in the media in Denmark a lot about is he here to stay and stuff, and I genuinely believe that. So for the next, if he, uh, we obviously hope that he stays healthy. Who knows what's going to happen? If, if, for the sake of argument, you say he stays healthy. We have about 10, maybe 15 years of Grand yeah. Slams where you have a guy and a girl potentially <clears throat> being able to make week two. Yeah. So you have Danish players to root for in the men's and the women's side that can genuinely compete with the best in the world. And it's unheard of. It's it's like the glory days. We've had extremely good players. Uh, we've had a world beater, a, a world star in Caroline. But on the men's side, we haven't had a a world beater since Ken Carlson. Since my granddad. Well, Ken Carlson was very good, but it's you, you never really had the had the impression that he was going to win a slam. That's Wim, my point. We had a Wimbledon champion. We had a Wimbledon champion in two thousand. Yeah, double schmubbles, double schmubbles. <laughs> <laughs> but so it's really fascinating times. It's it's unbelievable, and they're I mean they're not supposed to peak until like five or six years from now. So. But you remember Andy Murray, like Andy Murray, and, and I, I remember it. So it was 2006, I believe. So it was, Murray was 19. So same age as Holger. And the opinion of Murray at that stage was, a, he was a grumpy, grumpy bastard who hated England because he made a comment about wanting England, any anyone to win apart from England. Ah, uh, don't run away with that. That was tongue in cheek. It was tongue in cheek. He was, it was he tongue in cheek. No, no. He was, that, he was confronted by the fact Scotland weren't in the World Cup. But that's my point. It was tongue in cheek. Yeah. But but my point is the perception of Andy Murray, age 19, to fast forward, fast forward however many years, 17 years and 16 years. And we're talking now about someone who is a global ambassador. He's, a, he's the voice. He's the voice of equality. He's the voice of you know women's tennis. He's funny. He's entertaining. He's he's dry. People people love listening to him. You know, so lot lots can happen in a career, and and you know, and and I I guess I go back to to what I said earlier about Eager and Coco with those with the speeches that they gave. You know, we're talking about young kids here. You know, I think it's fascinating to see how they how they all develop, and 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 I think Holger is another one, but. While we're on exceptional people, I, I I have to mention as well, and we we had Gordon Reed, the the wheelchair tennis player, training at the academy uh, before the French Open, and and it was amazing just to see him in action, you know, and to see, you know, basically Rafa in a wheelchair, you know, the the racket head speed, uh, the way that he he was with everybody at the academy, and himself and Alfie Hewitt won their tenth consecutive Grand Slam you know, doubles. And uh, I said to Gordon, when I, when I was speaking to him and I was introducing him to, to my kids and to some of the kids at the Academy, I said, so come on, Gordon, how many, this was before the French. I said, I said, how many grand slams have you won now? And he said, Oh, I 
don't know actually and he, he you know extremely humble but it, it's actually his it's his 21st grand slam that he that he's won you know i believe that's 19 doubles grand slams two two singles so a big well done to them and, and all the other winners and you say doubles schmubbles but to, to also shout out the doubles i think you know someone who freddie me and you know know very well and back to my college years uh, John Julian Roger, uh, age forty, uh, getting getting another another Grand Slam title, and and I believe from from what from what I've heard, he's he's one of the oldest to to have done it. But even more than that, his his partner Aravalo is is the first man from Central America to ever win a Grand Slam title. So and they save match points in the final. Um, it double seems to keep on giving and it seems to be getting older. You know, it seems to be, you know, Rohan Bapana, another good friend of ours, 42 years old. Uh, I was a heartbreaker, Lloyd Glasspool, a, a guy who I've coached for, for many years, served for the match against him, but Rohan at 42 making the semis as well. But it just seems to like so many of these are just going on and on and on, uh, but incredible to see. Absolutely. And uh, you mentioned Jules, very, very fit, very serious. So he's in great condition. After he split up with his long-term partner, Tekao, he's been a little bit all over the place, struggling to find his way, changing partners, changing return side. Uh, but when he when he teamed up with Arevalo, he, I, I had a good feeling about it on his behalf. I thought that was a great match. Arevalo is a great player. They have the Spanish-speaking uh, connection. Uh, but then they started the year in the wrong sides. We all, everybody was like, "What are you guys doing?" Oh, really? Play the right, play the right side. So after Australian Open, they were like, "Aravalo was kind of because I think it was Jules who pushed it, and they were like, all right, we should probably go back to the other side.' Yeah, please do." And since then, they've been doing great, and it's a really good matchup. You got the experience, you got the 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 guy who has the intensity, the physicality, and the, he's so serious, Aravalo. I'm not surprised he's done this for himself. Such a good worker never puts in a poor day, always gives it the most. So I have a lot of time for those two. I was genuinely happy for them that they won. And then we had French winners in the women's side as Caroline Garcia and Christina Mladenovic uh, went on to, I know we mentioned it before, Coco Goff. But those those are two extremely talented girls, Fozzie as well. And it's 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 nice. It's always nice when somebody... From the home from the home country wins a grand slam yeah it's i mean it's it's you know we obviously saw that you know the massive hype with kokonakis and curios in australia and what they brought so yeah 100 uh garcia's been around quite a few years now so um yeah it's great for you know the french french uh partisan crowd and for french tennis for them to win the slam can I make one point with the doubles? You mentioned the Absolutely. age as well. Absolutely. Of course, they all stay in shape, but I just want to mention as well that there is, once you get up in the rankings, the way the ranking point system is, it's much easier to stay up than it is to get up. I mean, the men's doubles ranking is so difficult to climb that once you made it, it's fairly difficult to drop off. And you can see both Bopana and Roger, they had, for their standards, pretty average years last year, and they're still seated in the in the grand slams and stuff. So, so there is something with the ranking that also prolongs the players careers because they're in the master series. They have the quick points, just a point, not, not to take anything away from their 
uh, their performances, of course, but uh, but 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 it does help out. Well, well, well said. But as we you know, as we move, I hope that we will get we'll get the panel together, and you know, we've again pushed to, to get a female voice on the panel, but un unfortunately not able to do it on this occasion. But we'll try and get that together for Wimbledon. But just in case. Just in case one of you or both of you have other engagements when we do it, give us give us your shout outs for Wimbledon. We're we're, we're closing in on it. The, the we're seeing the grass court pictures. Surbiton was last week. Uh, we've got we've got the green grass on on all our social media platforms. You're seeing it everywhere. Pushing your voz. Give us a men's winner and a women's winner. Oh. Um... I'm not going to go for the obvious on the women's side. Uh, I'm going to stick with my uh, race racehorse uh, Coco Goff. Uh, I think she uh, she's going to do do some damage. Um, and my outside pick is Leila Fernandez. I would like to see Raducanu do well, but I, I just can't see it. I think um, there's there's too much noise around her. Um, there's not enough. I call it the three S's. I call it safety stability and security and the the safety is for her to be as normal as she can around the people she's surrounded by and if she's looking for a fourth coach in a year she can't so uh, the security is obviously being protected um i think in hindsight over the year i don't think she's been protected uh you know she's done too much too quick and she was, you know, she carried on the way she was doing it. She was always going to get to do that stuff, but she's crammed in a year what some people do in 10 years. Um, and then obviously the stability, um, which is from a woman's perspective, I think stability is key, is, is she's basically been in an unstable tennis relationship since Wimbledon last year. So, um, yeah, I'd like her to do well, but I, I just I just can't sit. There's too much noise. There's too much noise there. Um, so yeah, I'm going outside pick Layla. Um, my my pick on the women's side is going to be uh, Coco Goff uh, on the men's side. Just quickly, Vozzy. Just quickly. Yeah. Even the fact that we can't ever do a podcast <clears throat> without speaking about Emma Raducanu says yeah. everything you need to know about about the noise around Emma Raducanu. <laughs> you yeah. know she's she's become a superstar and she's yeah. she's a, she's a talking point she's someone that yes people want to see do well but uh, people want to talk about her you know people no but, but, but i'm going to stop you there you know we, we the noise around radicano right now is the noise for the wrong reasons why are we talking about it we're talking about it for making bad decisions and so you, we, you know we're not talking you know we're talking if we spoke to uh, after the us open the day after the us open we're talking about emma radicano and the amazing feat that she had just achieved over the last 14 days, 13 days, with a coach who started after Wimbledon and has created security, safety, and stability. And with all those three S's, she's just put an absolute bomb on it and exploded it overnight. And so the, the stability, the safety, the security, that whole net that she had has gone. And then it's rebuilt. And then the, the bullshit that she came out with and said that I'm looking for a coach that that has has been there done that got that you know and and has taken somebody to the top and then where she said that and has now you know got somebody and no disregard at all what you know he's the nicest guy and i get on great with him ian bates 
you know, Ian Bates is on the court coaching it. He, he, he hasn't worked with anybody. So, so yeah, but I think, but I think know, my, 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 point, my, my point is Leila Fernandez, Bianca Driscu, you know, the, these type, these type of players, we almost wouldn't even know what they're doing with their coaching setup because they haven't elevated themselves to being a superstar, you know? And, and, and I think, you know, Emma with the way that she looks with the, with the fact that she's the, the speaking Mandarin, you know, the, the star factor, the X factor that she's got has, has almost taken her to a, a level outside of the sport of tennis in terms of her superstar. I mean, I was watching, the, some of the Jubilee this weekend and, you know, yeah, messages, but people are giving their messages to the queen and it's David Beckham and it's Elton John and it's Emma Raducanu, you know, it's not Andy Murray. So, so I, I think she's got to that stage now where she's and so quickly elevated into that limelight that, that I mm. think we will then, have the microscope. I, I agree there's things that could have been done better, but there's also, I'm sure, things that could have been done better with many, many tennis players that none of us are even mentioning. But also, you guys are living in England, so you're yes. going to have much more stories. You say, Andreas, well, yeah. Mendes, maybe you know more about her if you live in Canada. Yeah. Because I don't know what it's like you know, the Americans. You, you, it's, it's a big thing in England because... Obviously, the press is always big in England, so don't underestimate that as well. Yeah, you're absolutely right. But, but, but what we're talking about, press conference today we're talking about, it's like, you know, what's happening with your coaching setup? And she's like, oh, I'm fine. I'm in no rush to find a coach. I've got the same people around me, you know, that, that you know, so, so I'm happy and I'm, I'm plodding along. It's a nonsense. It's a nonsense. If you, you know, you, you've got, you, if you want to stay there and, and you want to be the best that you can be, which she's no doubt she has the talent and the ability. She's won the friggin' US Open. But, you know, she's to, 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 to act in, in a, you know, in, in a very quick way. And I think, I think, and, you know, you've got to be careful of, you know, the advice that she's been given, maybe, you, you know, from her father. Make her as much money as you can as, as quick as possible, and if that if that's the remit, then they're doing a great job. But you know, she could be the forgotten woman in in ten months' time. You know, when I say that, she, you know, she could drop to you know after the US Open. You know, she doesn't have a good run. You know, between eight and hundred. Look at Naomi Osaka, Jeannie Bouchard. So, Jeannie Bouchard. You know, she's she's uh, living the dream. So I, I just yeah, you've just got to be. You've got to be managed, got to be careful and, you know, make, make, make the best decisions for the longevity of her tennis career, which no doubt she has abundance of talent to do because you don't just win a US Open, um, abundance of talent to do. And yeah, it's just, 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 just got to carry on, uh, you know, what she needs to do to, to stay there because she, she talked about a trajectory. I'm on this trajectory. Well, the trajectory, my bright young lady, you're there. You don't know how you got there. You're there. Now you need to know how you stay there. And that's the key. And that's what, that's what, that's what no, one, no one's getting. It's just, yeah, it's just frustrating to watch. Who's your men's pick? Uh, so on the men's side, yeah. Um, I think Shapapalov, mm. you know, lefty on grass, difficult in made semis last year. Um, A left field lefty. A left field lefty. Yeah, so I'm going, yeah, Shapapalov, 
he's just obviously part of company. It's a good friend of mine, uh, Jamie Delgado, but I think he's he's got the ability um, and definitely the skills um, to, to do it. Yeah, I, th- I think uh, Danish cheese could also do some damage. Um, <laughs> out there, rune. <laughs> yeah, I think he could... Don't uh, ruin his name now. Uh, Rune. Rune. <laughs> and Kasper Rood. Um, yeah, so no, I'm, I'm going to go... I'll tell you what I'm going to do. I'm going to go Shafafalov uh, as as my, my one to win. And uh, my outside pick is going to be Felix, both Canadian. Three out of four of your picks are Canadian. That's it. <laughs> I'm only going for Canadian nationality. Lad. <laughs> have you have you applied for a job at Tennis Canada or something? <laughs> <laughs> Freddie, keep it quick. Keep it quicker than that, please. And don't get on the bloody Emma Raducanu high horse again. <laughs> but I do agree with Bossy that it's going to be difficult for her to perform since it's the first time she really plays in England after the after the US Open and I mean even from the outside I have an idea of what what the British press is like so that's not gonna that's gonna be so much attention I think I'm gonna stick with the I also think that uh, Coco is gonna have a good tournament I really like her I'm also talking with the from uh, from not only head but also heart I want her to do well I want to root for her I like her a lot God, she's a great role model, just a great person well, for the yeah. sport. One of the biggest, one of for me, one of the most interesting people in sports, uh, in 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 even in sports, yeah, but in tennis, men or women, what a character! So I hope that she does well. I do think Swantig is going to struggle a little bit on the clay, on the grass, but then, I mean, going through the rankings, it's just like impossible to pick one. Like there would be thirty people that could win, where you would be like, okay, I could see that. It's I mean, if Muguruza all of a sudden connects for a week or, yeah. Contavit. Contavit, yeah, if they, she connects. I mean, there's you never know what's going to happen. But I'm going to go with youngsters. I'm going to go with Coco to win and your your favorite as a, as an outsider, Anisimova. She's, and she, on the men's side. He's on my list. Yeah, I bet. Always. Uh, <laughs> and then on the, on, the, on the men's side, I got Novak <laughs> to win. I think he has a chimp on his shoulder. He's two slams behind. He seems comfortable on the grass. It, I still think he has an edge a little bit uh, compared to the youngsters still. And he seems like he's getting into gear now. So I'm going to go with Novak and the outsider. It's a difficult one. Curious? Curious. Curious. The Good curious, job. curious. Curious, curious. And so then, of course, one to watch. My one to watch will be Holger because he's Danish and because he's he's new to the grass, and uh, it's just interesting to watch him. And uh, for Danish glasses on, I hope he does well. And let, let, let's have a run as well in in Wimbledon. Yeah. yeah. Have you have you guys been reading my bit of paper? Because I have. Well, I've got seven names written down. Only <laughs> um, only one can win, man. Uh, but, uh, on Six the, Canadian names on, on the on, <laughs> on on the female side. I've got Anissa Mova, who's my outside. She's going to do it at some point. She's just got game. She's got game. 
Um, and I've got Anjabur. Um, who... oh, but you know, you know, she 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 doesn't come out the traps in the last two grand slams. <laughs> I'm back to I'm back to an Australian. I'm back to the French. I've stayed away from her. I'm a curse. I just think I, I think she's so skillful. I think on those grass courts, you know, I remember. I mean, I watched her play Sviontek last year at Wimbledon, and she made her look silly, you know. And I know we've we've got two different players now a year on, um, but I, I I just think. I think she has so much skill and ability that I, I, I really do think she's someone who can, can do well on the grass. And then on the men's side, three names I've got down who are going to win it is Djokovic, Djokovic and Djokovic. Um, I've, I, 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 I'm well, so... Two brothers as well. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm so sure of it. I wrote it down three times. Um, and my, my two, I guess, outsiders... Uh, you hadn't mentioned Kyrgios. Kyrgios is a one that I always have in at Wimbledon because he, he can sit on the beach for 12 months and then the way that he serves, it just doesn't come back if he has a good serve day. Um, but the one, and I spoke to him last week and I just loved where his mindset was at. He's, he's world number 11, but it's an outsider. And that's Cameron Norrie. And, you know, if you, you do get a chance to listen to that podcast, he's on with his coach, Faku, and he, he's, he's hungry. You know, he's broken top 10 a few weeks ago, talking about progression and kind of going under, under the table, just day in, day out work rate. Um, he's, he's ready to push on again. Whether he gets any higher, we don't know, but I wouldn't put it past him. An incredible professional these days. <laughs> Um, British crowd behind him. He's going to be seeded, you know. If he gets and get, finds his way to last sixteen, then who and knows? And great guy, very easy to get behind. Great I would guy. be very happy for him uh, and be very happy for tennis if he did well. Great, great guy. guy. And that backhand, that backhand, a little bit of rain softened the courts up. It, that backhand doesn't bounce high on on a clay court, so it's certainly not going to be bouncing very high on, 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 on a grass court. And we know these, these players struggle with that. So, so let's see. And he see. did well last year. He did. He, he's, he's Finals he's, of Queens and made last, what, 16 against Roger? Uh, I think so. He's, he's just, he's there, isn't he? He's, he's yeah. now there or thereabouts. I don't think there's that many people can win at Wimbledon, you know, and I always think a British player. I'd obviously love to see Dan Evans as well. But I think one of those guys, Norrie or Evans, get a nice draw, open up, get get a big match, last 16. Who who, who knows where 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 it goes? But guys, you, you, it's a pleasure as always. Uh, great, uh, great to talk. Well done on making yourselves look somewhat knowledgeable, you know, with your with your picks. Um, if people could see behind the scenes, the WhatsApp messages that go between us, almost shock that we've actually managed to nail some this time. Um, in, shock. In, uh, <laughs> well, this is what happens when you pick a player who's playing the tournament. <laughs> it, 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 it helps. Uh, but but lo- love having you guys on. Really appreciate your time. Take care, take care of yourselves and everyone listening. Please do reach out with any questions as well for the for the panel. We'll try and get a couple more on be, to talk about Wimbledon in a couple of weeks. But cheers, fellas, and we'll be in Thanks touch. Thanks for having us. Thank you. Thank you. Look forward to the preview of Wimbledon. And as per usual, we always joke beforehand that uh, boys or girls, you know, as we get in, getting the panel together, just a quick 20, 30-minute chat 
as we go through the Grand Slam. And it always gets to a time where I feel bad that I'm taking so much of their time up, but we just do genuinely love to have the conversation. And I hope you do listening in as well. And we'd love to hear your questions. You know, what do you want us to talk about as we do our Wimbledon preview in a couple of weeks' time? Who do you want to be on our panel? Is there anybody that you'd like to hear from? Let us know. You know, I'm very conscious this is your this is your podcast. You're the guys that listen, and we want to take it in the direction that you want it to go. But hopefully you're enjoying them. Uh, we've got many more guests to come. Next week, we have Ross Hutchins. Ross Hutchins, who's working very high up at the ATP now, has done for the last eight years. Former top 30 in the world doubles player, best friend to Andy Murray, has an amazing story to tell as he had to deal with the challenge of cancer throughout his career and comes from tennis royalty, the Hutchins family. His, his dad, Paul, who was the former Davis Cup captain for Great Britain and achieved so much in the sport as well. So that's another great guest. Many more that are on the list. We'll continue to bring them. Please do reach out again. Like I said earlier, let us know who you want to hear on the podcast. You know, don't, don't shy away. Get in touch with us at ctc.podcast on Instagram. You can also email us at info at sototennis.com. Send us a message. Get in touch. We'll continue to bring these guests, these amazing guests and these conversations to you. But until next time, I'm Dan Kiernan and we are Control the Controllables.